is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we discuss the collection of ancient songs known as the Psalms. And we do have a special guest today, a returning guest. First time we've had a returning guest, Kevin Luo. I'm back. <laughs> and I might be here to stay. I don't... Uh, well, don't push your luck. I don't know. How, I don't know how you did it. Now, I could be I could be mistaken, but I'm under the impression that today Kevin is just going to read all 150 psalms straight through. Pretty much. Is that right? Yep. Oh, uh, sounds good. There you go. It'll be our Never mind. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's then. get into it. I'm I'm just trying to figure out how Kevin made it back too. Who's in charge of this podcast? Uh, yeah, I'm just the co-host. Man, somebody extended an invitation to this guy. I don't know. Who knows? Thanks for returning, Kevin. Yeah. No problem. Happy to be here. I actually got all kinds of rave reviews this summer from our listeners around the country. When we had interns join us, a third voice, they said it was even more entertaining. So, entertaining, Kevin. That's what you got. Yay. Wait, the other ones are the, the other ones are more entertaining than me? No, you're all entertaining. All third voices, I was told, are a fantastic addition to the podcast. So I thought we better get them back, because it's been a while. All right. Summer. Here we are. Here we are. Now, all right. We're not going through 150 psalms today, are we? We are not. We will go through a few, and we'll go through enough. Um, we're going to talk about the psalms. I'm actually impressed we're going to do a whole podcast on the psalms. Uh, I mentioned a few podcasts ago that David is like not my strongest material. Uh, the Psalms, many of which are credited to David, um, are definitely, and I'm not sure why that is for me. I, it's not that I'm not artistic. I have a real music bent. I grew up doing music my whole life. Um, my period of adolescence and young adulthood was full of music. I have a a poetic romantic side to me, if you will. Probably hard to believe from this. <laughs> so many comments about our sultry voices here. But, you know, I, I, I love music. I love art. It's not something I'm adverse to, but the Psalms have never been my go-to uh, when I study the scriptures. I have not. The Psalms have, um, I don't know if they've frustrated me. I'm just like, meh. My feeling about the Psalms have always been, yeah. So I've been growing in that over the years. Uh, but I'm just glad I got a whole podcast out of the Psalms today. So we'll see how that goes. But um have some notes here I'll read to start, and then we'll get into some non-reading material here. Uh, before we jump into the next period of our podcast, because we're, about ready, we're about ready to move into what, Brent? The prophets. The prophets. But before we get to the prophets, we've just gotten done talking about who? The kings. The kings. Uh, David, Saul, Solomon. David and Solomon in particular. Um, they're credited with a whole chunk of scripture that we sometimes call the wisdom literature. And uh, we're going to call them tools a little later in our study. We're going to have a, a short review. And in our short review, we're going to call the wisdom literature tools, like tools for the journey. Like as we are stuck in this redemption cycle that we're in, uh, there are certain tools that were given by our predecessors, by God, however you want to look at it. And these tools help us make it through this redemption cycle. They help us walk the path. And uh, one of those tools is the songs. And that's what, that's what psalms are. Psalms are quite simply songs. They're poetic pieces that are meant to be put to music and sung by the assembly of God's people. 
There are some similarities to the Psalms in our modern understanding of worship music. I don't think if we think of worship music, I don't think we're far off from the Psalms, understanding the Psalms. And there are some differences. Um, These were the cultural language of the day. There were songs that were sung on the annual pilgrimage to the temple by the feasts. There were songs that were sung uh, for those liturgical assemblies as well as uh, as as just other just daily culture. Like the Psalms would have been, you know, we got our we got our pop music today. In a lot of ways, the Psalms for the people of the Bible, the ancient Hebrew culture, the Psalms would have been those things that were on everybody's lips, um, the pop culture music of their day, if you will. Uh, but that was, that's the sum. So um wanted to go through some of that and make just a few observations. Uh, first of all, no, by the way, no presentation today. We're going to be spending some time in, so grab your Bible because we're going to be spending some time in some Psalms. We got a link, maybe a couple, but at least one link for you today in the show notes. Um, but it's going to be coming up here in just a moment. One of the first things that I'd say about the Psalms is that uh, there is a Psalm for every emotion and space in the Psalms for every expression to God. There are Psalms that celebrate God and praise him for his might and goodness. There are Psalms that remember our history and the story of where we come from. You might think of which book, Brent? Oh, it's Kevin. Kevin, which book? Remember where we come from. The call of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Like you might remember Deuteronomy. And the Psalms help us remember where we came from. Um, so there's that. Uh, there are Psalms that express our anger at injustice. And there are Psalms that cry out for God to act and bring vengeance. There are Psalms that encourage us to gather and join our voices in true community. And there's songs that uh, help us lament. In fact, we've provided a link in your show notes. And if you uh, jumped over there, you can actually see this link came to us, by the way, by one of our uh, illustrious Bema listeners and happens to be the leader of Bema Albany. You know him, Mr. Kevin. Yes, I do. Zach Dean. Uh, we were on a prayer call with Impact the other day, and uh, Zach is on staff with Impact. He sent this link, and it's just you know it's one of you know, I'm sure there's a thousand links like it, but I liked it. It was a it's a list of all the psalms, kind of categorized, and you can tell by the asterisks they even have problems categorizing all of them because it's a little tricky. But it gives you an idea of the different kinds of psalms that there are. Um, First of all, there are psalms of lament. Uh, Kevin, I think you have Psalm 12. Do you want to read that to us? Help, O Lord, for the faithful are no more. The loyal have vanished from among men. Men speak lies to one another. Their speech is smooth. They talk with duplicity. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, every tongue that speaks arrogance. They say, by our tongues we shall prevail. With lips such as ours, who can be our master? Because of the groans and the plundered poor and needy, I will now act, says the Lord. I will give help, he affirms to them. The words of the Lord are pure words, silver purged in an earthen crucible, refined sevenfold. You, O Lord, will keep them, guarding each from this age evermore. On every side the wicked roam when baseness is exalted among men. The Psalms of Lament, and I like this table that was on that link there. It breaks them down into communal lament and individual lament. And this is not... This is not a space that we're used to in our culture. I'll come back to this idea in just a moment. But I wonder how, I wonder how differently our faith community spaces could be in moments like, like I listened to that psalm that Kevin read. It's a communal psalm of lament. And I think about, like, what if the community a few years ago in Charleston, when the shooter came into the church, 
in the month where they recovered. I wonder if they had a psalm like that, if you can imagine them singing, or some kind of terrorist attack, or or Charlottesville of recent. Like There are these communal psalms that the people of God had that were able to express the things that they were feeling. Um, there are imprecatory psalms. We're going to go through an example of that here in just a moment. Uh, psalms of of thanksgiving and psalms of praise. Uh, Kevin, you have another one, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth, you who have covered the heavens with your splendor. From the mouths of instants and sucklings you have founded strength on account of your foes to put an end to enemy and avenger. When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars you set in place, what is man that you have been mindful of him, mortal man that you have taken note of him? that you have made him a little less than a vine, and adorned him with glory and majesty. You have made a master over your handiwork, laying the world at his feet. Sheep and oxen, all of them, the wild beasts too, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever pe- travels the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. Yeah. Uh, Brent, you have one, Psalm 150, as an example of, they call it on this table, a hymnic, a hymnic. I've never heard that term before. A hymn-like psalm, I believe, 150. Where'd they have it? Yeah, 150 in the, in the hymn and doxology section of our table there. Go ahead and read Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so we have, we have, I used to, you know, the saying used to be back when, you know, cell phones were a thing, a new thing. And the the whole idea of there's an app for that. That was the saying years ago. There's an app for that. I used to always, I, I used to always teach the Psalms that that same statement. There's a Psalm for that. Whatever you're, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're trying to express, whatever you're trying to um, connect to in your worship, there's a psalm for that. You're angry, there's a psalm for that. You're grieving, there's a psalm for that. You're happy and you want to celebrate, there's a psalm for that. There's even a section of the psalms, it's Psalms 120 through 134, that are known as the Psalms of Ascent. I just realized I've been talking away from my microphone the whole time. Sorry about that for all our listeners. Um, but Psalms 20 through Psalms 134 are Psalms uh, uh, all about, uh, they call them the Psalms of Ascent. These are Psalms of pilgrimage, meaning that as you went to the temple, whether it, it, it might have been for Sukkot or you might have been headed there for Passover, or these were a, like a special section of the Psalms reserved for road trips. Like they didn't have cars, but car songs. Songs for the car ride. And what I love about that is when you flip through the Psalms of Ascent, you'll notice that there are there there's a there's a Psalm of Ascent for every kind of mood and expression. Because I wonder how many different car rides you went on in your life. I bet there were some years where the car ride to Jerusalem I'm I'm fully aware they didn't have cars. I hope you appreciate my metaphor. Where the trip to Jerusalem was full of despair and frustration. Um and then other years where you were happy and joyous and other years where you were frustrated. And there's a song for every kind of expression that you might have in that pilgrimage. I look at Psalm 120. 
I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips, from the deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows and with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And you can hold that to another psalm of ascent, like Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperities will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like an olive shoot, olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. There's all kinds of room in the Psalms for different expressions. And the Psalms themselves can also do work in your heart. One of the hardest Psalms to deal with is what we call the imprecatory Psalms. And you guys know what imprecatory means? Kevin? I'm not familiar with that. Imprecatory? I heard some guys talking about it on podcasts, but I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. Oh, man. Either that or their podcast just wasn't as good as other podcasts. <laughs> it's quite true. <laughs> I guess the test will be if anybody knows what imprecatory psalms are when we're done with them. Imprecatory psalms is where you call out. It's psalms where you call out for vengeance. The famous ones about dash their children upon the rocks. Like those are imprecatory psalms. Um and those are some of the hardest psalms in, like from a Christian perspective, as a follower of Jesus, some of the hardest psalms to understand what to do with. On a real base level, these psalms help us express something that's true. I mean, one of the things that the psalms do is the psalms show us that God can handle your your emotion. Like whatever you're feeling and whatever you're, you, you don't have to keep it a secret. Like, And we know that. We know that God knows what we're feeling, but God can handle it. So if you're angry... God can handle your anger. You can express your anger to God. If you want vengeance, you can express that. And part of what the Jews said was so important about the imprecatory Psalms is it allowed you to give voice to your desire for vengeance and not actually pursue the vengeance. It was part of the way that you gave vengeance. God says, leave vengeance to who, Kevin? To God. Yeah, leave vengeance to me, God says. So part of the way we can do that is by expressing it, naming it, giving it a name, giving it words, and letting God have it in the Psalms. But the Psalms can also even do more than that. So Brent, you have Psalm 109, one of my favorite imprecatory Psalms. Go ahead and read through this. And the first time we read it, just listen to the angst and the frustration that's being communicated by the psalmist here. My God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I am a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty, and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. 
May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before the Lord, that he may blot out their name from the earth. For he never thought of doing it kindness, but hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. He loved to pronounce a curse, may it come back on him. He found no pleasure in blessing, may it be far from him. He wore cursing as his garment, it entered into his body like water, into his bones like oil. May it be like a cloak wrapped about him, like a belt tied forever around him. May this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil of me. But you, sovereign Lord, help me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I fade away like an evening shadow. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. While they curse, may you bless. May those who attack me be put to shame, but may your servant rejoice. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace and wrapped in shame as in a cloak. With my mouth I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers I will praise him, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. Right, so here's the sum, and on one hand, you can listen to that and you can go, okay, it's got this three sections to it. He starts by saying, here's my situation. My enemies have surrounded me. Even though I've tried to love them, this isn't going well. You know what, God, here's what I want you to do to my enemies. And then it kind of ends with, and help me, because I'm in such a, like, you can just hear the angst and the expression. Uh, But when the Jews looked at the Hebrew there, there's a phrase that's used there. There's a phrase there, Brent, about uh, let this be the payment or let this be the reward. Now, first of all, before we get there, I mean, that psalm was something. Right, Kevin? That was pretty intense. Right. Anything stand out to you you can remember? Uh, the part about, like, may his wife be a widow. Yeah, may like, his children was... be fatherless, his wife a widow. Like, this song is... And furthermore, let no one find compassion for them. Right. Let, let, his... let them be blotted out. Yeah, exactly. May his story be no more. Like, this guy's wishing death in this psalm. So, like, the, the real true, not the glossy Christianese, like happy-go-lucky Sunday morning glossy version, but the real intense feeling comes out in this psalm. But there was something else there about that as we struggled to be like, oh man, okay, like I can appreciate that, but golly, what do I, what do, I do with this? Even the psalm itself, the Jews pointed out, can do a work in you. There was a phrase there, Brent, about may this be the reward or may this be the payment of my accusers. Can you read that verse for me? Yeah, uh, it's verse 20. May this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil of me. Now, the the Jews pointed out the Hebrew in that phrase is a little messy and can be twisted in both directions. So there are a few Jewish translations. One example would be uh, Stern's uh, complete Jewish Bible. He's a Messianic Jew, but um, he translates a version. And one of the things that he says, he translates this verse, um, This is what my accusers want Adonai to do, those who speak evil against me. So yours said, may this be the reward of my accusers, those who speak evil against me. The Hebrew can also get twisted backwards. This is what my accusers want Adonai to do, 
those who speak evil against me. Now, when I first heard that and I first read that translation, I went, boy, that's a stretch. Here's somebody just trying to make themselves feel better about this psalm. But as you continue to look at that psalm over and over and over again, you begin to notice that there's actually something that proves that that other version of the translation might be onto something. Go ahead and read that psalm again, Brent, and I'm going to stop you and point out some things. Kevin, I got some questions coming your way. My God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I am a man of prayer. Okay. How many adversaries do we have here? Plural, singular. It seems like it's plural. Plural. God whom I praise and not remain silent. For wicked and deceitful men, plural, have surrounded me. Wicked lips, they, plural. They, 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 plural. So it's plural. Go ahead and keep going, Brent. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Okay, it's plural. Keep going. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Wait, what? Your... Appoint someone evil? Yes, to oppose my... Enemy. How many, Kevin? That's singular. That's singular. So the first paragraph is definitely plural, and the author knows how to use it. And now, all of a sudden, this discourse has turned into singular. Now, remember, what was the other version, Brent? Can you remember how they changed that verse before? It wasn't, may this be the reward of my accusers, but it was... This is what my accusers want the Lord. Right. And so what's interesting is if he's talking about his accusers, it's plural. But if it were be to his accusers talking about who, Kevin? Himself. Himself, it would be... Singular. But that's exactly what happens in the second section of the psalm. Keep going, Brent. You're going to see this is consistent all the way through to that verse. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty, and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. Okay, now, so all the way up here, it's been plural or singular? This all seems like it's talking about one man and his family. Exactly. And now and now, watch, because this same accusing voice talking about this enemy is going to say why. Go ahead, Brent. Because why? May their sins always remain before the Lord, that he may blot out their name from the earth. Here comes the why. For he never thought of doing a kindness, but hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. He loved to pronounce a curse. May it come back on him. He found no pleasure in blessing. May it be far from him. He wore cursing as his garment. It entered into his body like water, into his bones like oil. May it be like a cloak wrapped about him, like a belt tied forever around him. May this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil of me. Or, this is what my adversaries say. This is what my adversaries want Adonai to do. And all of a sudden, this psalm, maybe the first time, I wonder if like in times of distress, if you sung the song over and over and over again. It's like the first few times you sing the song, it's all about your expression. It's all outwards. This is what I want God. But if as you keep singing this, you start to notice the nuances. And now all of a sudden, this psalm is asking you to reflect. Well, well wait a minute. 
what would my what would my enemies say about me? So at first, I'm totally frustrated by my enemies. I want vengeance on my enemies. But as I continue to let the psalm do its work, this psalm actually asks me to reflect on whether or not my enemies might say something I think, if you want my personal opinion, I have no evidence to back this up. This is pure Marty opinion. Have I made that clear? <laughs> but if I, I think, if you go back and read the David and Abigail story in Samuel, go find the David and Abigail story, and you read that story, you are going to find four or five phrases from that story that show up in this psalm. I think this psalm, personally, total guess, but I think this psalm may have come from David's time in that Abigail story. If you remember, he goes down, he's furious at Nabal, and he goes down to kill Nabal and all of his men. And Abigail comes out and convinces him not to do it. And I wonder as David reflects on the story of his, if he says, Oh man, I was so furious at my enemies. I wanted them to be destroyed. And then I realized my enemies had a case against me and I had to change my course. Help me, God, do what I'm supposed to do. Like this psalm has an ability to teach and to do something to you just in that. So anyway, one of my favorite psalms to look at to try to understand imprecatory psalms and how they can potentially be used. Um, and, and again, I think if I were to wrap up this point, this observation here about the Psalms, it would be, I wish that in our culture, and this isn't, I don't want to get really critical of churches everywhere. I just wish in our culture, our church culture today, we could create more spaces for different kinds of worship music. Cause it feels like in church, we only have one space for one kind of song, the praise song. We can't lament cause we don't want to screw up the mood. Like church has to be up, it has to be full of energy, it has to be happy. And I can remember in our church, uh, we had a a member of our church here on the Palouse that lost a son unexpectedly, a son in his 20s, heart attack, uh, died in a truck. And I remember watching them the next week come to church. And I saw two things that I loved. I'll talk about the second one here in just a moment. Uh, well, I saw one thing that I loved and one thing that I struggled with. And that was, as I listened to all the worship songs, I realized that they would have had a heck of a time trying to relate to the worship music that morning. God is good. God is good. God is awesome. So, so awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And he is wonderful. We love our good praise songs. But we didn't have a space for them to cry out to God in corporate worship. And the people of the Bible did. Um, the, the second thing I would say uh, is that... Um, the importance of music in our communal walk is is pretty immeasurable. Um, I mean, one has to sing. I don't mean that literally. I, I don't mean I don't mean that like we have to sing. It's a commandment. I, I mean, there is something in our soul that has to sing. Maybe not literally, but metaphorically, we have to sing. The heart has to find a place to sing. Uh, as you find yourself stuck in the side, in the cycle of life, as you find yourself stuck in struggle and redemption, there are dark moments where one of the few things you hold on to is song. Uh, you don't hold on to doctrinal statements. I mean, when we're struggling, <laughs> nobody fires up the church website and goes to our belief statement page and finds solace in our doctrinal statements. We find solace in, in song. We find solace in poetry. 
Uh, we find solace in the close your eyes and breathe in the moment uh, kind of situations and spaces. Um, and that brings me to my one of my last points about singing. I mean, singing is often a discipline for me, and I, I would assume it is for a lot of other people. I don't always feel like I want to sing, but I sing anyways. Because sometimes when you go to church, you're singing for somebody else. Sometimes when you go to church, other people sing for you. There have been moments where either because of just the depression I'm feeling or just the place that I'm at on that day, I don't sing. I I keep my mouth shut and I look at the people around me and I watch them sing. And that same family I talked about a moment ago, I remember when they came uh, and I was so on one hand frustrated because we didn't have a space for them to lament. I remember watching them close their eyes with tears running down their cheeks as they lifted their hands and they praised God anyway. And I remember watching that and I remember thinking, you know, that is a testimony. Uh, if they can come and find space to praise God, even in the midst of their grief, I think I'm going to be okay. And I've held on to that image for a long, long time. Um, ever since I saw that, I still think of it oftentimes today when I'm frustrated, when I don't know where I'm at and I'm pretty cynical and I'm pessimistic and I'm depressed or I'm full of despair. And I think, you know, these people are going to sing for me today. They're going to remind me of what we believe, even when I have a hard time believing it. So the song has been really important to God's people and, uh, anything, and these things always have been important to the people of God, uh, one of the stories that gets told in the scriptures in this section of history is uh, the people of God are on their way to Babylon and we're told that their captors, uh, as they're being marched away, call back and they say, sing us some of your songs. And so one of the statements that's, that gets said there is they, they talk about by the rivers of Babylon, we sat there and wept. And later in that expression, it talks about how they took their harps and they threw them up into the trees. Um, because there's, there was nothing left to sing about. How can we sing as we're marched away to Babylon? And that is one of the greatest, most tragic moments uh, in biblical history, that we would find ourselves in a place with nothing to sing about and nothing to sing for. So I, I suppose one of my prayers as we study the Psalms is that the Psalms would teach us and bear witness to the fact that there's always a place, there's always a time. Find your harps, pull them out of the trees, and find a way to express whatever kind of worship it is that you need to express to God. It may not be something that I am intimately connected to in the scriptures, but they sure are an important part of it. So, there you have it, the Psalms. All right, well, Kevin, in the intervening time of of uh, your last appearance on the podcast, you have firmed up your presence on Twitter. I have found my Twitter password, yes. And people can find you at scomet821. Yep. That'll, we'll have a link for that in the show notes as well. But you can get a hold of Marty on Twitter at Marty Salmi. You can find me at EIBCB. Our discussion groups are back in full force. Uh, actually, by the time this episode airs, they'll have been going for like a month. So, anyway. There's always discussion groups around the country. Check out the website, baymodiscipleship.com. Uh, we got groups on the Palouse. we got gl- groups all over the country. So find one near you. Thanks for joining us on the Bama Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hope to be back.